Welcome into Fantasy Focus Football. It is Wednesday, August 30th. Today's show is presented by Geico. Switch to Geico see all the ways that you could save. My name is Daniel Dopp. I am joined by my best friend, Field Yates. How you doing, buddy? Just before we came on the air, Uh-oh. like seconds before the stream Uh-oh. populated and went live, I did the single dorkiest thing I have ever seen a human do. I, maybe we have video of it somewhere, but I don't even know what I was doing. It was like my... Well, I'm not my Ricky Bobby moment. Like yeah. I'm not supposed. To, I'm not sure what I'm supposed to do with my hand. I don't know what I was doing. Yeah, sometimes uh, that happens. Field. Uh, uh, Usually I, not to you though. Usually you're pretty good. Like you are the bar- broadcast professional between. The I don't two know of about us. that. I like. I feel like such a dad right now. Sheesh. Do you think that's changed? Do you feel more like? Do you have like oh, dad jeans that just like start waving over your body after you have kids? Totally. I mean, hundred yeah. percent. Like first of all, like I am extremely soft these days. Okay, that's extremely fair. soft. Like I. Swear Swear to God, like <laughs> you put something like one tenth emotional on my timeline, forget about it. Tears, I'm gonna, I'm, tears. Mm-hmm. It's just the way life works these days. Oh yeah, yeah. So yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. Actually, I love the idea that you know you got two beautiful daughters you brought in this world that makes you a little softer, makes you maybe appreciate stuff happens, in this world right? more. Like that's, that's how happens. it works. Yep. All right, we're gonna talk about some fun football stuff here today. We got a bunch of stacks we're talking about. Stacking is something that we talk about obviously a lot in DFS. We yeah, talk we about do. a lot in best ball. We're going to talk about it here for season long as well, as well as a little bit of news that we got. But first and foremost, Field, in case you are looking for any kind of fantasy prep, you can go to trophysmack.com. Okay. Get two-day shipping on a draft board if you've got a draft next week, and you get 20% off. 20% off, trophysmack.com. And if you want to get a belt, head on over there as well. Get 10% off with the code FOCUSBELT. Field, last night, you, I texted you. We were trying to, uh, I want to do a little pre-prep for the show. And you were actually in the middle of a live draft. Live draft as with uh, my buddies here locally, which was great. So Live drafts are the best. It was awesome. It was fun to be together. It was fun to have a great group of guys involved. Uh, it's a bunch of my friends here from uh, from the, the I'll, call, I'll call it the surrounding Bristol area. That's so uh, I can't wait to probably finish like, you know, ninth out of 12 teams in that league. Yeah. But I am fired up. And uh, yeah, it's just fun to do something in person because so many of my leagues now, and this is just how most people are done, exclusively remote. And yep. that's because like my high school buddies who I'm in a league with, they all live all over the country. College buddies, same things. Even some of our work leagues where we're all mostly local, uh, it's just hard to find a time during a busy time of the year, especially with people that have kids and all that. Uh, and the school year about to start or starting in the case of many schools today. So yeah, it was great to be together. And uh, unfortunately, it prevented us from talking a whole lot more about yeah. some of the, uh, the big stories of some the of day. But uh, yeah, it was a great time. How cool is it, though, that nowadays we get to do stuff like this? The idea of being remote or separate from people doesn't matter. Like when Matthew grew up, they had to start their drafts in April in order to get it done by August because they had to send the, the pigeons back and forth to everybody. You know what I mean? It was Literally a lot. a pigeon carrier. That's It was really tough. So here's as I, we were doing this draft, or as you were doing this draft, yeah. I, I was going to ask you about some things. And I right. said, big question I want to know is, Field, we got news yesterday on Jonathan Taylor. Yep. The Colts said... We are not going to trade you. You did not find us a trade partner, and that means you are going to remain on the physically unable to perform list, which means he will miss the first four games of the season. We can talk a little bit more about that, but I just want to know, in your live draft last night, where did Jonathan Taylor you know, go? I, I swear I'm getting old. I told you I'm becoming more of a dad. Now I'm becoming yep. more of a grandfather as Uh-oh. well because I, I had this number specifically uh, written down, and now I can't find the uh, the thing that I had it written down on. So let me go to the draft recap right now okay. and tell you. All right. Uh, that is see. a nice thing to Bye. be able to pull up. Yeah, I'm just, it's, this is so pathetic. Great podcasting right here. Okay, he went in the seventh pick of the seventh round of a 12-team league. So that's pick number 79. I thought I had said 75. 79. 79 for Jonathan Taylor a little bit of context right there so obviously uh, in a 12-team league you know I think he'll go the fewer teams in a league the higher Jonathan Taylor is likely to go right Mm -hmm. because if you're playing in an 18-team league rosters are so deep that your uh, margin for error is much more significant in a 16-team league you miss one pick in your first three and you might be screwed for the entire season so Jonathan Taylor I think could end up going later overall, even if it's technically an earlier round because there are more picks per round. But 79th overall for Jonathan Taylor. Was there a lot of chatter in the room? Like, was anybody talking about it? Or was it no, just I like... No, we were all doing the exact same thing. Everyone was just waiting to see. Everybody was sitting there like, 
am I going to be able to buy one more round before I can take Jonathan discount. Taylor? Yep. It was like the first rule about drafting Jonathan Taylor is you you just don't talk about Jonathan when, Taylor. When, the, when he finally came off the board, what, did everybody in the room do that thing where I was like, oh, good pick, good pick, guy. oh, good value there. Like, you know how something, did, Daniel? How, there might have been a couple of adult sodas being consumed okay. last night, so okay. I think about three quarters of the league <laughs> missed the fact that Jonathan Taylor went off the board. My buddy Josh gave a little fist pump. like He was fired up about get Jonathan Taylor, and he was like, I just drafted my league winner potentially. Yeah. And I was like, first of all, shout out to you for listening for to the listening show to the yesterday. Show. That's right. Uh, but second of all, I was like, who did he, did he just like take Justin Tucker or something? Oh no, he took Jonathan Taylor. Dude. So, I mean, yeah. so this is, a, do you still think with all of this news that Let's Jonathan Taylor can yeah. still be a league winner for us? Understanding when I look at where he's fallen for me, mm-hmm. I moved Jonathan Taylor all the way down to running back 27. Okay. So we need to talk about the specifics here. Jonathan Taylor was not traded yesterday and he was placed on the PUP list. What that means is that Jonathan Taylor will remain out for the first four games at a minimum. Minimum. No matter whether he is traded or whether he's on the Indianapolis Colts. If the Colts found a trade partner right now, that team is acquiring Jonathan Taylor for at least, or excuse me, at most 13 games this season. Okay. The first four games, he is out no matter what. So you have to ask yourself this question. If the Indianapolis Colts thought they were close to a trade of Jonathan Taylor... Would they have kept him on PUP or would they have moved him to the active roster? Right. Because if he's available for 17 games, he's a lot more attractive to the team that is trading Trading for him. him. Who's going to in turn pay you more to acquire Jonathan Taylor. Yep. Now you are getting a discount price for Jonathan Taylor. If you're able to find a trade, the fact that they kept him on the PUP list also suggests this, this relationship. And we all know this between the, between Taylor and the Colts, it's broken. Yeah. It's completely broken. If they felt like a trade is not going to happen, but let's find a way to mend some fences and just put, you know, our, you know, whatever, put our bygones, be bygones, like put everything behind us. Let's try to find some common ground. They would have removed him from the PUP list and put him on the active roster and found a way to try to get him on the field before week four. Yeah. This thing is a disaster right now. I have him as, as running back 25. And you said 27, that might be too high. He's like completely radioactive right now in fantasy. When you ranked him there, did you do the, because like my thought was, I'm going to put him at 27, but you know what? If he actually came up on the board, I might still pass on him for guys that I have ranked lower than him. That's one of the things about ranking sometimes. Like this is, this whole situation is such a serious vibe check for Mm -hmm. me, right? It's not about stats. It's not about anything. It's about this situation where, and, and I think you've already laid it out really well. Jonathan Taylor's motivation, if I'm Jonathan Taylor, is to get through this season healthy so I can secure the bag next year for a team that didn't publicly disrespect me. That's the way that I feel like I'm looking at this situation. Maybe Jonathan Taylor looks at it differently. But it's like, if that's the case, I don't feel great that even after those four games field, he's going to come back and be the Jonathan Taylor that we saw in 2021. He's going to be on a potentially sub 500 team with a rookie quarterback learning the nuances of the NFL. Does that sound like the kind of thing that you want to play for when the owner has gone out and publicly shamed you? No, I mean, it's it's a bad look all the way around by the Colts. And obviously a big part of that is Jim Mersey not being able to keep his mouth shut or his Twitter account closed. So yeah, it's a terrible look for the Colts. It's really it tough. sucks for Anthony Richardson. It sucks for Jonathan Taylor. Kevin Pulsifer is in the building right now, and he oh, has he something is. he wants to add. What do you got, Pulse? Yes, uh, just wanted to add, uh, you were talking about RB27, mm-hmm. Daniel? Yes. Javante Williams currently 79th ADP. Yes. This is exactly where he went. That's where he went last night. Exactly. So that's, yeah. yeah. And, so, that's and, and so think about some of the concerns we have with Javante Williams. Here is the reason why I think Jonathan Taylor is even riskier than Jonathan, uh, the Javante Williams. First of all, the Broncos continue to say all the right things about Javante. Yes, like being do. available, it's got a pretty tasty matchup in week one against the Raiders. Like he's going to be ranked higher than Sean RB27. Payton's allergic to saying bad things about his running backs. No, though. but I mean, he's, he, he never went on PUP to start the training camp. Like he has been available and playing a lot. Here's the other question, though. But, okay. Are you adding Deion Jackson, Evan Hull? What are you doing We'll there? get to that in a second here. Um, so, it's a, it's a great question. But, with Javante Williams, like, you know he's going to play this season. Here's what you have to ask yourself about Jonathan Taylor. Is he going to play at all? Is that a guarantee this year? Because, right now, a trade has become a lot less savory to the other teams around the NFL. Because you are potentially trading a bunch of draft capital, paying Jonathan Taylor top of the market money and then only getting him for 13 games maximum this season. Yep. A trade at right now feels less likely than more likely. 
let's say a trade becomes back uh, in the realm of possibilities around the trade deadline, which is Halloween. You ask yourself this question. If Jonathan Taylor is on the Colts, if he's activated from PUP after those first four weeks, what's his motivation to get back on the field for Indianapolis if unless things change? Like unless Indy says, hey, we are going to make you an offer to be the highest paid running back ever. Yep. That may be enough to put everything behind them. But if they don't make him an offer, you think Jonathan Taylor on his current salary is just going to go out there and say, yeah, I'll play. Nope. Like multiple teams have tried to make Jonathan Taylor an offer, trying to make the Colts an offer for Jonathan Taylor. He has shown enough to establish a baseline of value. Him going out there for two games, week five, week six, to kind of like to reestablish his, there's no need to reestablish the value. No. Nope. So I think there's a chance that even if he's removed from the PUP list after four weeks, that Jonathan Taylor is like, I ain't playing for you. Now, if I get traded on, on in week eight, yes, I'll be available, but this could be sort of like DeAndre Hopkins last year, where you missed six games because of suspension and then also missed a game because of the bye week. It's a second half surge, but is every roster equipped to hold on to that second half surge? It is not. Yeah. At least for the first four weeks, because he's on pup field, we would be able to throw him in our IR spot if you do take a chance on him within your draft, correct? Like, that's at least a positive thing. He's not taking a roster spot. It's yeah. an IR spot. Right. So if you wanted to take that chance. But everything you just said is exactly the way that I would look at it. Like, it, understanding how he feels about this team, understanding the way that the, the Colts have gone about this whole thing. And I think Kevin brings up a great point. Yeah. So let's say first four weeks of the season, we know for a fact Jonathan Taylor will not be there. Are we assuming that it's going to be Evan Hull or Deion Jackson, or do we think that a Kareem Hunt or a Leonard Fournette, like what are the vibes around now the starting running back situation for the first four games of the Colts? Here's what I would do if I were you. Late round pick, maybe last round, maybe your last pick before you get to kicker or defense. Yep. Take Kareem Hunt. Just do it, right? Because he's already been in Indianapolis for a visit. And while this may be an imperfect offense, it's not like this is an offensive juggernaut right now. Who would you feel most confident in if I told you they were the week one starter? Kareem Hunt with 10 days of preparation, Evan Hall, a fifth round pick out of Northwestern, or Deion Jackson, a former undrafted free agent who was okay, but not great last year. Kareem Hunt. Yeah. It's not even close, really. Yeah. So I was looking at my week one rankings and let's just say that Kareem Hunt is not on the team. Are you really starting Evan Hall or... Deion Jackson in the first week of the fantasy football regular season. Nope. So yeah, if you want to stash them, it's totally serviceable. I guess there is definitely a path for one of them to be uh, the starting. I mean, someone has to be the starting running back. So there is a path for either of those guys to become the starter. But um, I just think the Colts are going to rather go down the path of like, now that we have some clarity on JT, Let's make an aggressive move to try to shore up our back that a little bit more. All right. We got a poll out there on YouTube. Go follow us and subscribe on the NFL on ESPN YouTube channel as well. Okay. Trying to get as many subscribers as we can get there. Will Jonathan Taylor play this season as the poll we just put up? So far, 51% say no, 48% say yes. The community does no, not know how not to be play. Able, correct. Yeah, yeah. Like we don't, it's such, it is such a tough thing because nobody wants to throw away a draft pick, yeah. but we keep harping on the idea that sooner or later, like this guy is still going to be a value just based on the talent that he potentially has. It's, it's a really tough one to suss out. And I'm like, you just said, I might be too high on Jonathan Taylor. It's going to be really tough for me to draft him unless I get to a certain portion of my draft. And that's probably rounds eight, nine or 10, which might be after where he's going based on that ADP fall. Right around where Jonathan Taylor last night went was about where I started to feel a little bit less certain about the board. So if you want to take him at that point, there's really not that much risk, except for the fact that he might play zero plays this entire season. So you just have to be mindful of that possibility. But I would still, um, I think at some point the the risk calculation does favor Jonathan Taylor as opposed to working against Jonathan Taylor. A little bit of news from Stephen Holder about 20 minutes or so ago that the Packers were the other team that was interested in making an offer, had a legitimate conversation with the Colts about trading for Jonathan Taylor. They've got Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon. What is this like? A, what, what are they going to do with him? Well, both of them are in the final year of their contracts. You're going to have to Aaron, send yeah. one to. No, 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 no. I don't no? think that I would be surprised if they traded either of those players, but it's a, a little bit of a, of a long-term play, right? You've got Aaron Jones in the final year of his current deal. And I believe AJ Dillon, if he's not in the final, final year of his deal, in the second. Okay. I'm sorry. AJ Dillon has two years left. Wait, let me confirm that. Let me confirm that. But Aaron Jones, we do know for a fact. Aaron Jones is in the final year of his contract, as is A.J. Dillon. So both of them are going to be free agents after this year. Where did Jonathan Taylor play his college ball? 
Wisconsin. Yeah, he sure did. So maybe that was part of the calculus here. It was like, you've got a, a team that uh, has some uncertainty at quarterback, not who it's going to be, but what Jordan Love is going to become. And if you could just have this absolutely ridiculous freakazoid running game, that would probably help Jonathan, uh, probably help Jordan Love. It's sort of like, you know, the the Packers are saying, like, when you have a quarterback who's like a big question mark, it's smart to like surround him with one of the best yeah. running backs in the NFL. Kind of like, you know, like the Colts. Right. Who right. have a guy who literally started 13 games in college oh, right. and is 21 years old. Like, it might be smart to that give him smart. Jonathan Taylor. Yeah, that would have made a lot Weird of sense. Where that happens, huh? Do you see uh, the Wisconsin bar that said for every game that the, the Jets lose, they're going to yeah. do free beer for, for all the yeah. people there? yeah. I might want to move to Wisconsin just I don't to know, become like, a Packers fan. Does that seem fan. a little petty, though? Yes, I, you know what? Of yes course it's no. petty. Okay, fine. Yes, it's petty. Yeah, it can be, but also, like, it can be petty and also, like, acceptable, right? Like, fans, you know, fanatics, right? It's not, like, these are not the casuals, right? These are fanatics, and fanatics are so loyal to their team oh, that man. while I think people will respect and appreciate what Aaron Rodgers did, they still are going to root for their beloved Packers. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that. I just thought it was fun. Oh, I, I always like taking shots. All right, we're going to talk about stacking. Fields Yates. Okay, tell me more about stacking, Let, Let's get into some of So I first learned about stacking through Daily Fantasy. Okay. Doing the DFS, CSS DFS pod with Mike Clay and Al Zeidenfeld. By the okay. way, Mike is still going to be doing his DFS sheet, so go check that out. And you can follow Al at smizzle.tv slash links for all the stuff that Al does. So go find him. Stacking is where you're looking at an offense and you take the quarterback, and you pair them with one of the top, usually, pass catchers in that offense. Okay. The idea being, and I'm just going to use Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey as an example, that if your pass catcher has a really big game, your quarterback was the one who threw all of those touchdowns or yards to your pass catcher, so you're right. sort of doubling up at the position, right? It's been on the rise within daily fantasy and best ball because it's about trying to maximize that output. But there are some reasons to be concerned with stacking field, especially in season long. Not usually a thing that we've talked about in season long fantasy football because of the fact that if you have a down week with a stack, yeah. let's say, yeah. you just took two positions in your starting lineup and you got give yourself like some really tough scores. Yeah, I tend to think of the risk in stacking as less about a specific week and more about the worst case scenario, which is that let's just say that you want to stack. I'm trying to think of the best quarterback wide receiver do it. Jalen Hurts and A.J. Brown, right? Okay. Or Devontae Smith or maybe both of maybe. those receivers, yeah. right? We'll get into them. We don't want to uh, speak these things into existence, so I feel bad even mentioning them. But uh, if something happens to Jalen and hurts that is significant and you don't have Gardner Minshew waiting in the wing as your backup quarterback how much value do you lose from AJ Brown and Devontae Smith if it's a full season injury do those guys go from borderline top 10 wide receivers or in the case of AJ Brown a definite top 10 wide receiver to wide receiver 20 yeah wide receiver 25 do they go to wide receiver 12 right like that's or, what happened with DK Metcalf and Tyrell Lockett. They weren't that worse for the wear. And last year, C.D. Lamb played with Cooper Rush for five and weeks. It was awesome. And it was fantastic. Yeah. Like it didn't affect him at all. So I want to look at this because there are some offenses, I think, yep. that are really fun and potentially we're able to stack here within in season-long fantasy football. We're just going to start at the top. We're going to go with the top quarterbacks, looking at their pass catchers. Okay. Is it someone that you want to be able to think about stacking within season-long? Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey. Here's the problem with this, okay? Easily the best quarterback, tight end duo in the league, right? Yep. Travis Kelsey's coming off the board fifth overall. Yep. Patrick Mahomes is coming off the board 12th overall. If you want to stack these two, it means you got to grab Travis Kelsey in the first, and then you got to hope that Patrick Mahomes slides to you in the second field, yep. and then you just used your first two picks on a quarterback and a tight end, and you have not done anything at the wide receiver or running back position. Is this a stack that when you look at it, like it's easy to say, of course you want these guys. They're the two best guys in football. Yeah. But like for season long, is this stack something that you would want to do based on how roster construction would work? All right. So you're never going to lose your league because you stacked because, Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey. Which is it fair. It just requires you to kind of nail your next handful of picks because that means that you are not taking a running back or a wide receiver until at minimum or until round three, right? Which means that your second wide receiver or your second running back is going to be coming off the board in round six. So you have to ask yourself this question as we pull up some of the ADP data here on ESPN right now. And because it's peak draft season, I think this ADP data is more reflective of where things yeah. actually are. 
But if you wait until round six for your second running back, which is a plausible scenario with a Mahomes-Kelsey stack in Kelsey in round one and Mahomes in round two, some of the running backs going in that round six are Ken Walker III, Alvin Kamara, Brees Hall. Ken Walker III, I feel good about out of those three, but Alvin Kamara is going to miss the first three games. And Brees Hall, we don't know whether he's going to play a full allotment of snaps in week one. We think he probably won't. So it just creates more risk. By the way, that's in a 10-team league. Sure. Um, if you're playing in a larger than a 10-team league, you're talking about guys like Cam Akers or Isaiah Pacheco as your second running back. It's not that those can't be players that can help you win. It's just a reminder that if you do the Mahomes-Kelsey stack, you have two positions you are not going to worry about at all. You just got to be pretty aces with your running back and wide receiver picks over the next four to six rounds. Right. You really. I think this is one of those things where if you want to go with a build like that, it really is important to do a cup, at least a few mock drafts just to understand how the board is going to fall for mm. you because we don't normally start quarterback tight end with yeah. the first two picks. And because of that, the draft board is going to look very different. I do want to say this. The purpose of stacking is to be able to say, hey, Travis Kelsey had a huge week. So we think Patrick Mahomes also had a huge week, right? Last year, Travis Kelsey had seven games okay. with 20 or more fantasy points. Did Mahomes match those seven games? Every 20? single one of those games, he had at least 20 or more fantasy points. Five of those games, he had more than what Travis Kelsey did. The only okay. two games that he didn't is when they both scored over 30 fantasy points. Apiece. Okay, wow. So so it's one of those things where if Travis Kelsey gets you 20 fantasy points, you have almost locked up 20 plus fantasy points from your quarterback position from Patrick Mahomes as well. It's just whether or not it makes sense from a roster construction perspective to go first round, second round with a tight end quarterback stacking here. That's all. That's the big conversation with that okay I there think you go Josh Allen and Stefan Diggs field I think this is another very interesting conversation a lot of these early quarterbacks when we talk about them you're gonna have to take your quarterback and you and I have talked about this yep you're gonna have to take your quarterback within the first three rounds which I don't think is where you and I often find value at quarterback okay. this year I think we like more of the, yeah. the middle rounds but what do you feel about a Josh Allen Stefan Diggs stack potentially your number one quarterback with yep. one of the best wide receivers in the game it's something that you could do ADP wise but would you want to go out and try and specifically target these two so uh, maybe this and I'm not trying to dismiss the spirit of the conversation I'm not the kind of person who often enters the draft with the intent of stacking okay one of those things that like if it happens I'm not against it because my general philosophy and I'm going way out on a limb here draft good football players right just, just draft good guys Mahomes Holmes and Travis Kelsey, the very best of what they do. Josh Allen, not that far behind. Stephon Diggs, one of the very best receivers in the NFL. This one, I'm not super concerned. Like, I think it's a totally plausible decision to make. And um, like, if you're drafting Stephon Diggs, it's probably a conversation of, is it Diggs or is it Devontae Adams or Amon Ross St. Brown or somebody like that? Yep. And I have no issue. Like, I don't, I don't intentionally take Stefan Diggs because I know I want to target Josh Allen. I also don't intentionally avoid Stefan Diggs if I want to take Josh Allen because Stefan Diggs is going to rule this year. It just incurs the same risk that we were talking about earlier, which is that if something happens to Josh Allen, do you know who the Bills quarterback is right now behind Josh Allen? No. It isn't Allen. It's Kyle Allen. Oh, I did not know that. Just not quite not as, as good as, as, Josh. as Josh Allen. <laughs> and maybe Pulse can fact check this. But I don't believe we've seen the Bills play without Josh Allen since they traded for Stephon Dix. Really? I don't think we have, have we? For like an actual game, I'm pretty sure Josh Allen started every game. He got hurt, had the elbow injury last year, and he was not, uh, he did not miss any games. So I guess there is some question mark about what this Bills offense would look like without Josh Allen. So I think this stack, while again, as you're talking about the, the top of the top, it yeah. would be tough to be able to pull off field. You're looking at ADP Stefan Diggs. He's at the 12th pick, yeah. right? And right now, Josh Allen's coming off the board in the 20th. So if you want this to work, you're basically going to take Stefan Diggs at the turn. Yep. And then you've got to double up and take Josh Allen at the beginning of the second, unless you get lucky yeah. and he falls all the way through the third to you. And at that point, you're again, you're not planning on stacking Josh Allen with Stefan Diggs because you didn't think he would make it that far. But yeah. then you might get a value stack at that point. So here is where Kevin Pulsiver decided to get nuts. Because he has a home league where he said, I see your Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs stack. Yes. And I'm going to drop Josh Allen from this stack and instead triple stack it with Stephon Diggs, Gabe Davis, and Dalton Kincaid. Whoa. Let's get weird, Pulse. What went into that methodology? Kevin. So Superflex League, Josh, okay. I had the 101. Yep. So Josh Allen was 
Easy pick there. Yep. Come back. Are you two. on? Are you on board with Josh Allen as quarterback one this year? I think it's a three way tie. I don't mind okay. going either spot. Gotcha. And I've got a lot of super flex leagues. Got lucky with a couple top picks, and I've spread out my exposure. So uh, Josh Allen one hundred and one came back at the two three turn. Um, I ended up getting Stefan Diggs at the three hundred and one. It was the same kind of Devontae Adams, Amon Ross, St. Brown, C.D. Lamb discussion. Um, then I came back, and by the ninth and tenth round. Gabe Davis is sitting there at like wide receiver 40 or 45. And at that point, I'm filling out my bench spots, my first bench wide receiver. And I'm thinking, hey, the he did fine last year. He was he didn't match the ADP that we had put on him in like the fifth round. But I'll take that spot and say if he ends up having a better year playing through that injury last year, it didn't help. Um, then, I'll, then I'll be able to play in my starting lineup. And then yeah. Dalton Kincaid, same thing. Rookie tight ends don't do great. But at that point, I was grabbing two tight ends late rounds figure maybe something happens and we'll go with that so you're willing to ride here's a question for you and this is a good question as it pertains to the stack because we keep talking about how like the worst case scenario when you're stacking is the quarterback gets hurt right do you guys think that the like does the quarterback matter for you daniel in the context that like i don't think josh allen has missed a game over the past few years he's six foot five 250 pounds he's got good durability does that matter more as opposed to a quarterback who is also awesome, but has missed some time over the past few years. Yes. Okay. It, it, that would be a thing that I, I mean, because I, inevitably you wanted to look at guys that are going to be on the game as long as possible. But it, a lot of this depends on the way that the board falls. Okay. And, it, and it really does depend on where you're drafting from. Like there's a lot of nuance in this conversation. It's not like anyone can just go out and get any of these stacks we're, we're talking about. Like you kind of got to draft from the right spot in order to get some of these guys with ADP. But if Josh Allen is staying healthy and he's done the things that we've seen him do in this Bills offense, including all the stuff that Kevin just said, you want to take a shot on some later guys in the ninth or 10th or 11th round of one of the best offenses in football. I got no problem with you wanting to stack from that perspective. All right. Really quickly in our YouTube pool. Okay. Do you draft fantasy stacks? Yes or no. 63% of our audience say they stack within fantasy field Yates. So, so this is a big, I mean, this is a part of where I feel like we've seen so much within DFS and best ball start to just like permeate its way into our season long conversation. I wonder if people, and there's probably no way to do it, like a follow up with all 63% of the people that voted this way. Do you think it's a stack by design or do you think it is a stack in which you just happen to take Stefan Diggs and Josh Allen because they're awesome? Like, I wonder if people are targeting stacks or are they just running into stacks because great quarterbacks often make great or or can make great receivers. Great receivers can make better quarterbacks to make great quarterbacks. So it might just more be like, yeah, like I really wanted to take Jamar Chase with the second overall pick. And then in the fifth round, all of a sudden we've got T or sorry, part of the fifth round, third round, round, T Higgins is sitting there waiting for us. (laughs) Or sorry, or Joe Burrow's waiting for us in the fifth round or the sixth round, whatever it was. Yeah. I like, uh, I don't know, I feel like this is one of those things. Again, a lot of the community has talked about wanting to use it, I think, as a tiebreaker. When I'm looking at stuff, maybe I don't go in specifically saying, yeah, I definitely want to grab this guy. I'm not going in trying to get A.J. Brown and Jalen Hurts, mm. but if it works out, I'm not going to be upset about it. And I think that's another stack that you can absolutely look at. You could stack Jalen Hurts with either of these two pass catchers. Or field, both. Yeah. Or both of them, and I would be fine with it. This is one of those scenarios we've always had these questions that come up where it's like, can you draft two pass catchers from the same team? Well, if it's A.J. Brown and Devonta Smith, the answer is yes, you can. Did you see the debate that's been going on? I don't, I don't think it's in Philly. Maybe I'm wrong. But apparently there's been some debate about whether... A.J. Brown is better than Devontae Smith or Devontae Smith is better than A.J. Brown. Interesting. Can someone explain to me why that matters? No. Like in general, like player versus player debates are like a little bit silly. Like I get it. They make for a great conversation fodder. They're good on radio. They're good on all these debate shows that we see on ESPN. Like Stephen A. Smith could debate whether, you know, like the sky was blue or not and it'd be entertaining and I'd watch it. Right. But like for if you're like, what is the point in the case of wherever this started of debating whether AJ Brown is better than Devontae Smith or vice versa. I have no idea. Like if, if, if AJ Brown is voted better than Devontae Smith, does he get the locker next to Jalen Hurts? What does that mean? Or does like, does he get like a parking spot that's closer to the facility entrance? And by the way, vice versa, if, if Devontae Smith is voted the better player out of the two Eagles receivers. Does he get a discount on every meal he eats in Philadelphia? He probably eats for free. Probably probably does eat for free. Yeah. Anyways, Uh, I never quite understood that. Hey, here's a good question though. I mean, you talk about a discount, right? AJ Brown coming off the board, 20th overall pick. If you're going to take him and Jalen Hurts, you basically have to do it at the two, three turn. Yeah. Looking at that. Devonta Smith coming off the board a round later. 
Do you think that there is enough of a gap between these two players to justify a round, or is that not that that big of a gap this early in the draft? All right, so because we just am I, I going to debate on this the thing. thing that I said? Was I know, I know, debate because I, know. I might, I might. <laughs> I'm sorry, I might. I realize I did that. All right, here's the deal. I think it's good value. I love AJ Brown. He's great. He's a stone cold. St- he is just an absolute beast. Finally, right? get used correctly. What I what I what I uh, mentioned recently though was I think Devonte Smith has more levels to his game. Not I'm not saying like more levels than AJ Brown has levels. I mean like more than what we have seen so far. Like I talked early in the season about how there gets to a point in a player's career where he has established a baseline that's just so darn good that like expecting more is like extremely rare. Right. Like and, and by the way, the bar is so high. That even if the player like stays as is, it's elite, elite. Like if Patrick Mahomes never improved for the rest of his life, you'd be like, oh, like he's on track to maybe one day be one of the five or three or two best quarterbacks ever, right? Yep. yep. Devontae Smith's only two years into his career. Like the leap that he made from year one to year two, legitimate. Who was to say that the year uh, year two to year three leap isn't legitimate as well? And yeah. it's not like AJ Brown is some like, you know, like some geezer, right? Like he could still get better as well. I just think you tend to see it more frequently from year two to year three than you do from year four to year five, which is where A.J. Brown is in his career. So I think the gap is justifiable. I think it's totally fine. But if you told me if I ran 100 simulations of the season, A.J. Brown might finish his wide receiver one for the Eagles in, I don't know, 62 of them versus 38 for Devontae Smith. It's not like 95% of the time I envision AJ Brown definitely crushes relative to Devontae Smith, who after week one and Paul, you can fact check me. I'm pretty sure he led the Eagles in catches after week one. He did more targets, more catches, just fewer yards and touchdowns. But Mike Clay for this season, he's got him projected for the exact same amount of targets, 121 Smith with more receptions projected and the same amount of touchdowns for both of them. That's the guy that's to to me. They're tied and I'm fine stacking either one of them or both of them. I, I would rather, if I'm going to stack one of these two, to me, the clear option is Devonta Smith. And it's because, because of the, the price, because of the price, yeah, because that fair. means that I can grab a running back in one of the first two rounds, making sure I'm grabbing someone there before I get Jalen Hurts and then Devonta Smith around afterwards. Otherwise, it's just a little bit, a little bit more expensive than what I would like. But I don't think you can go wrong. Not maybe, like you need maybe, to. Maybe Mike Clay is the one responsible for this debate. You know what? You know what? Let's go with this. Let's let's just. Let's decide this. Mike Clay, if you're an Eagles fan that doesn't like the fact that there's infighting right now, who's better, Devontae Smith or A.J. Brown? You can blame Mike Clay. That's right. It's his fault because he had the exact same number of targets in his projections for this year, which leaves it up to us to interpret who's better. Yeah, go on out to uh, to the X at Mike Clay NFL and let him know which Eagles wide receiver you think is better and why his projections are wrong. Uh, really mm. good. Well, I mean, you don't want to do that. You don't want to send people out there to be able to do oh, no, no, no. I'm, I'm just, I just want to make sure that we, I just want to re- reiterate it's my Clay's fault. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about this next. And I think this is where we started getting some, some good conversations that early stacking is really tough for me because okay. you're using such a premium pick on a quarterback. Okay. And I would rather go earlier with, with different roster construction. Let's do it. So let's start with Joe Burrow. Okay. I think this is where it really starts to get fun. Joe Burrow with Jamar Chase or T Higgins. Obviously the only way you're stacking Burrow with Chase is if you have one of the top four picks in the draft in order to get Jamar Chase, right? Right. But I think that this offense, you look at everything that Joe Burrow is, obviously expecting him to come back and be healthy, hoping that that's going to be a thing this year. Improved offensive line. We saw how good Jamar Chase was last year in spite of the fact that he missed five games. If you look at his per game numbers, the dude was unreal. Led all wide receivers with over 11 targets per game. So that seems good. If I'm looking at stacking anybody in the NFL, I actually think this might be the offense that I'm looking for when you're talking about price for a quarterback and price for those wide receivers. This is your favorite one. I think so. I'll go a little bit further down the list before we get to my favorite stack, but that's interesting. I, I mean, I don't have a, uh, a strong reaction to it other than um, it's in line with the fact that we've continued to, to harp on the point that my favorite value for the quarterbacks is that second tier. Yeah. And it starts with Lamar Jackson and Joe Burrow and goes all the way down to like Trevor Lawrence and Justin Herbert with Justin Fields in between. So yes, because I am less prone than many to take a quarterback in the first couple of rounds, I agree with you. These are more alluring stacks. And um, I was having this conversation with someone this morning just about like, you know, why, like why and this person's fairly 
new to fantasy was asking me like, you know, why am I not taking Patrick Mahomes first overall if he's going to score the most points in fantasy football this season? And, yep. you know, this gets back to value-based drafting. So I'm, I'm, I dig it. I dig it. I don't, I don't have a strong argument against uh, this being a better stack than we have talked about so far. I just think you might be able to find even more value a little bit further down the board. More value field. All right. So I think let's talk about this next one then. Yeah. We're getting pretty close here. This is the one that I like. Lamar Jackson and Mark Andrews. Talk about this one here for a second. Oftentimes in daily fantasy, one of the things that I've learned from Mike and Al is when you're looking at stacking, the best stacks, the premium stacks come Mm -hmm. from tight ends with quarterbacks. You're able to get the most value between that. And obviously Mark Andrews is about as good as it gets at the tight end position field. Bingo. Let's talk about this one a little bit further because you're getting these guys, at least in terms of ADP right now, back end of round three, back end of round four. So your stack of Lamar Jackson and Mark Andrews could be complemented by Jamar Chase and CeeDee Lamb or Garrett Wilson. Think about how filthy that is. That right there is freaking nasty. And I'm not saying that you're not going to get good players in rounds three and four when you take Travis Kelsey and Patrick Mahomes, but the certainty that you are getting with your first two picks, no matter what direction you go, knowing that you could potentially target Mark Andrews and Lamar Jackson in round three and four, that to me is nasty. I just think that it just opens up the board so much more after you make your stack picks and you've already got the security of what you did in the first two rounds. This is my favorite stack that we have discussed and probably will discuss in fantasy football this season. I you're also, going to be decided that every week at tight end. Other yep. than when you play the, the, the Travis Kelsey manager, you're getting close to an edge guaranteed. And Lamar, I mean, as, as we did not discuss him in league winners yesterday, but there's an easy case for Lamar as a league winner this year, right? He might be the fourth or fifth quarterback off the board in your league and him finishing his QB one is plausible because he's literally done it before. We've seen it. We've he was terrible last year and was averaged 18 fantasy points per game. Yeah. Like, and I'm not trying to turn this into a Geno Smith versus Lamar conversation, but Geno Smith had like this unbelievable season and had 18 fantasy points per game. Yep. So, like, you know, you're getting guys who are at their absolute apex versus a player at the absolute floor, and they're meeting in the same spot. That's how good Lamar Jackson is. I think I like this stack. I feel bad for Geno because you know, that, that could apply to other quarterbacks who are in the same. That's not like, about just like Kirk Cousins level, right? Like, sure. I think that this, is, this one is, my, is really interesting because of the tight end position field. Yeah. I actually, maybe you're going to take me to task for this. Okay. But. I like Mark Andrews more than I like Travis Kelsey this year. I'm going to tell you why. Last year, Travis Mm -hmm. Kelsey Mm -hmm. was a much better value Mm -hmm. for managers because Mm -hmm. we were drafting him in like the back end of the, maybe back end of the second round, middle of the second round, somewhere in there. Mm. Right now, if you're Mm -hmm. drafting Travis Kelsey, Mm -hmm. you're drafting him at the peak of his potential value as literal top five player in the game. Mm. You're not getting a value on him anymore. You're literally just getting him at cost. Mm. Whereas Mark Andrews, we had this conversation last year. Mm. He's coming off the board potentially three rounds later. Mm. Mm-hmm. I understand the gap that he had between the rest of the tight ends last year. He's also turning 34 years, years old this year. Like there is just, it's not a value play to me. I think when you're looking at it, you're paying full, full, full price mm-hmm. for Travis Kelsey. Mm-hmm. I just think Mark Andrews is maybe a better value mm-hmm. because of that. Anyways, I'm not, that's not no, anti Travis no, 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 no. Kelsey. Let's talk about this for a second. Not a crazy thought at all. It's just that the certainty of Travis Kelsey is so damn comforting, right? And like we were talking about how when you're reaching for a quarterback, the likelihood that that player is leaps and bounds better than every other player at the position Mm -hmm. is lower than with Travis Kelsey because as great as Patrick Mahomes is, as great as he is, and he is the greatest player on the planet right now, he has had one season as five in five as a starter in which he was leaps and bounds better than every other quarterback in fantasy football. In real life, he's probably been better than all of them in every of those five seasons. But in fantasy, he's had one season where he was leaps and bounds better. Yep. Whereas with Travis Kelsey, favorite Travis Kelsey stat. I don't know. There's a lot of them. There's a bunch. He has seven straight 1,000 yard receiving seasons. He does. Seven straight. Yep. No other tight end has more than four total 1,000-yard receiving seasons in his entire career. I'm not talking about consecutively. I mean, like, four total. So you're just getting such, like, the chance that Travis Kelsey is leaps and bounds better than every other tight end is so much higher than the chance that Patrick Mahomes or Jalen Hurts 
or Josh Allen or Lamar Jackson is leaps and bounds better than every other quarterback in fantasy. So I'll say this to that. You're not wrong. Totally agree with everything Thank you, you said. Can we, just cut the conversation can, we just, can we just leave it there? Let's move on. Yeah. All right, talk to you guys tomorrow. 20, 2014, I'm just going to list you the games played okay. for Travis Kelsey, okay. starting in 2014. Yeah, every single one of them? 16, 16, 16, yeah. 15, 16, 16, okay. 15, mm-hmm. 17. Mm-hmm. He's never played fewer than 15 games in a season. The dude is 33 years old, about to turn 34 this year. That... That consistency of health to stay on the field at that position is like unreal. Like that, that just doesn't seem possible. Do you have a doll in your hands right now? I'm just saying like, Like, are you playing Travis Kelsey in a dynasty league? I'm not, I'm not. I'm just, if something happens, do you now know what I'm going to tell you? Right. All, all all this is about is the idea that we are using a top five pick on a almost 34 year old guy who never misses time. time. Doesn't that seem like a good thing? It feels like an awesome thing. Unless I think about the other side in which it's like father time is never defeated. And sooner or later feel, do you want to be a year too early or a year too late? You've already said to me on Travis Kelsey. Yeah. So you're going to be a year too late and you're going to be a year too early is that what you're saying i me? think i was two years too early because i was on mark andrews last year as well and well, it, i took travis kelsey in the first round of my live draft last night so i like to pick a whole lot more than you i'm not gonna and i'm gonna go sit there in the corner Listen. and cry because i hate what you just told me <laughs> i'm all i'm saying no, like I, he's incredible there's just yeah nuances to all these things that's all I'm um saying. yeah i mean there is a case for mark andrews as the best value there's also a case that with all these ravens receivers say flowers obj Rash- rashad bateman that Mark Andrews has a solid season, but not a you know tight end one type season. And if he has a solid season, then he'll he's probably going about where he belongs. Guess what? If he has a solid season coming off the board in the fourth round, it's not a problem. Yeah, it's fine. I'm Travis saying, Kelsey but, you has know, a solid Travis season. Kelsen once again, just laps the field, which he did last year and could do for a long could time. Could do again. Yep. That's fair. All right, here's another one that I think is really interesting. Justin Herbert. I think this one might be my most intriguing stack. Okay. Justin Herbert's really tough for me because what other quarterback could throw for almost 5,000 yards, almost 30 touchdowns, and I don't feel like I definitively know this is the pass catcher that Mm -hmm. I want to pair you with in this offense. There's too many mouths here, And, and one of them is a running back even in Austin Eckler. So you've got Keenan Allen, you got Mike Williams, you got Austin Eckler. I realize field, maybe we're talking about it. You don't want to go in trying to achieve a stack, but are there any of these guys that you would leave a draft feeling better with over the other guys? Is there one of these chargers you would want to pair with Justin Herbert? Um, there's been a lot of really pot. I mean, I'd love to pair Austin Eckler with Justin Herbert because I'd love to have Austin Eckler on my team. Um, I, and that's okay with you, though, because he's a pass catching running back. It doesn't scare you about the idea of like having a quarterback and a pass catching running back from the same team. Well, Paul, so you tell me because I think you have a note regarding this. Tell me more. So, looking at last year, uh, Eckler had eight games played with Keenan and Mike Williams both on the field, and nine games without one of them. And in those eight games with both of them healthy, he had five targets per game and only one receiving touchdown. In the nine games without them, nine and a half targets per game and four touchdowns. Nine and a half targets per game is a lot. It's it almost is. twice as much, basically 10 to five. The injury risk is there with Mike Williams or Keenan. We always know that. Yes. But, um, and Eckler still had 20 fantasy points per game with both of them on the field. He got his rushing touchdowns. They still gave him the ball. They love everything that he can do. But in terms of the receiving workload, if both of them are healthy, I don't think I want to stack Herbert with Eckler specifically for that reason. If they're going to be healthy, they missed a combined between Keenan Allen and Mike Williams, a combined 11 games for yeah. Justin Herbert last year. So. Yeah, yeah. Tough one. Know. This is a good yeah. conversation, man. Well, and the, you know, I, I don't try to, yeah. You know what? I'm not going to say anything else because I don't want to speak ill of Austin because I have nothing bad to say about him. I just want to have him in my life a lot. I am mindful of the idea that a more aggressive offense passing the football down the field could equate to a little bit less Austin Eckler receiving utilization, but he's still going to absolutely mash as a receiver and probably have better looks as a runner. All right. I think at that point, field, I think we're through this part. We're going to pay some bills and come back with a few more that are interesting. Yeah, there's we'll be a little really bit quicker. Man, a lot of good stacks this year. There Geico really S, how would you love a chance to save some money on insurance? I've been meaning to do that. Yeah, of course you have. Of course you have. Been. And when it comes to great rates on insurance, Geico can help, like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV, even help with homeowners or renters coverage. Plus, add an easy to use mobile app, available 24 hour roadside assistance, and more. And Geico is an easy choice. Switch today and see all the ways you can save. It's easy. Simply go to geico.com or contact your local agent today. What's a summer memory you'll never forget? 
You know the um, one that, hanging out with you. Oh, field, stop it. Yeah. Yeah. Those must be the one that makes you smile and long to relive it. It's an easy to feel nostalgic in the summertime, especially when you've got a beer in your hand. You know what I'm mm. saying, Field? Not just any beer, though. Like Miller Lite is a 96-calorie beer that tastes like beer and is perfectly brewed for bonfire stories and making the memories. Make unforgettable summer memories with Miller Lite, whether you're spending long afternoons behind the grill, waiting out a rainstorm at your favorite bar, or telling old stories to the soundtrack of a crackling bonfire. Live those summer moments with Miller Lite, because when it's summertime, it tastes like Miller time. Get Miller Lite delivered right to your door. Visit MillerLite.com slash FFF, or you can find it pretty much anywhere that sells beer. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 96 calories, 3.2 carbs per 12 ounces. All right. I had Miller Lights last night, and that was part of the reason why I was distracted uh, and uh, not when paying John- enough attention when John the Taylor went off the board. <laughs> it tastes great. What are you supposed that's to do? That's right. That's yeah. what it's all. And you were making memories. That's Trying what it's all hydrated. about. Yeah. Uh, Field, we put the poll up into our YouTube chat. Again, okay. NFL problem. on ESPN. Go check that out and subscribe to us. Kelsey versus Andrew is at ADP. Which one would you rather have? Okay. 52% Travis Kelsey, 47% Mark Andrews. That's a lot closer than I would have expected. 1% undefined? Uh, currently, right now, 1% was going for Sam Laporta. We decided, you know. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Right in votes only <laughs> thanks, for thanks Sam for Laporta. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Appreciate it, Paul. Uh, well, well, again, once again, the people on the right side of the debate here. I'm just saying me. the community understands it is a conversation. No, you this made a compelling year. case. I just, um, there are certain players I just don't have it in my heart to hear. You don't want to say negative points. I know, yeah. I know. It's like you're setting yourself up for failure, just saying anything negative about yeah. it. All right, we got a couple more here, Field. I'm going to turn it over to you. Okay. Is there a stack in this second list of groups that you you either like or don't like that you want to talk about? All right, so we've talked about uh, a bunch of the players at the Basically very, the very top. top of the board, but a couple others that I do like or come to mind, but I will say that I have warmed up to. Justin Field and DJ Moore this preseason. Have you? And yes. And I've, I've said this several times about DJ Moore, but I'll, I'll repeat it once again. So DJ Moore fits into this like big sort of swath of receivers that are all very, very good. And we could see like any number of them move up the board, any number of them move down the board. Sure. They do. There are just so many good ones, but I wonder if like there's like a revitalization for DJ Moore this year. Like if he had just found himself dressed. Sorry if I kicked you right That's there. We're okay. playing footsie That's on the right. set. Uh, <laughs> if he had just like you know fallen into football purgatory in Carolina, and he is revitalized in Chicago, which a fresh set of eyes on DJ Moore will equate to a fresh set of utilization ideas for DJ Moore and. Maybe I am just enamored by one catch in the preseason and who I would never ever overreact to one catch in the preseason, except for like literally every year on like several different occasions. But the explosiveness from DJ Moore got me thinking that for all the things the bears did this off season on offense, maybe the most consequential one was just getting DJ Moore to be the alpha for Justin Fields and the guy that when he doesn't know what's going on or when he doesn't have like a clear vision of whether he's open or on or not open, like just throw the ball his way and good things happen. So yeah. yeah, DJ Moore, who is like, I think moving up a little bit in terms of ADP right now because of that one preseason catch. So I'm not the only person who overreacts to little preseason games, but I love it. Justin Fields, DJ Moore. I love that one. And because while Justin Fields obviously is expected to run a little bit less this year, like same points apply to what we said about Lamar. He could finish as quarterback one because he had a month as the highest scoring player in fantasy last season. It's going to require some things going his way, no doubt, but this Bears offense should be way more competent this year, competent this this year than it was last season. DJ Moore, one of the top 10 movers going up ADP and draft boards over the last seven days field. So I think a lot of people are starting to come around on the idea that you're talking about. We were nervous about what's it going to look like for DJ Moore catching passes from Justin Fields, knowing that the the one thing Fields needs to work on, right, is his passing game. Does everything with his legs. We don't need to worry about any of those things. But at this point, you're looking at a seventh-round draft pick. That's not a lot. Like, you're not investing a ton to get sure. DJ Moore there. Yeah. And all of the talent that you've talked about that we've seen glimpses of, it seems like year after year after year, glimpses of this talent, but he's never had consistent quarterback play. I, I think that's my only, only concern on – 
DJ Moore with a Justin Fields stack is the idea that is Fields going to improve his passing game enough that I'm excited about it. Yeah. But there is, again, like we're talking about, you're talking seventh round here, eighth round for DJ Moore. Like that's not a huge investment in a draft pick. for Yeah, and that's kind of why I like all these, right? Like Trevor Lawrence and Calvin Ridley. I've said a million times, Trevor Lawrence is my favorite quarterback value because he's going like the eighth round or at one point was, and he's a guy that could have an easy path to a top five finish. And then of course, Calvin Ridley could be the alpha in that offense. And that offense was really good last year could be even better this season but these are the uh these are where stacks to me feel a little bit less intentional right i feel like when you're stacking patrick mahomes and travis kelsey it's definitely by design yes right or even josh allen and stefan Diggs. like those are like a concerted effort to pair these two players like because of where both lawrence and ridley and fields and more are going off the board this to me feels kind of like all right like it just kind of worked out that way. Yeah. I don't think so, so many people are targeting these stacks going into the draft because it probably, like if you're targeting them, it means you're probably paying a bit of a premium on them as well. Yeah, I, I think it's really interesting when we look at, we talked about this starting the conversation field yeah. with the top quarterbacks and their pass catchers, right? Yep. If you look at, I mean, let's look at the top pass catchers right now. Have we mentioned Justin Jefferson's stack? No, we have not. Kirk Cousins is going like, much later than all of these other guys. Yeah. Have you mentioned a Tua Tungavailoa stack with Tyreek Hill, another one of the top five guys? Have you mentioned a Matthew Stafford stack with Cooper Cup? The answer there is no. A lot of times we're looking at guys like some of these pass catchers, they just don't really set up in a spot where it's like, yeah, this is an offense that I'm definitely wanting to stack here. Let me, like, let's rewind for a second. Here. Okay, all right. Did you just say a Cooper Cup and Matthew Stafford stack? I did. Is this the, the Lions fan in you that just has too much loyalty to Matthew Stafford? Do you you're, think not, you're not leaving a draft with Matthew Stafford. No, 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 right no, no. What, what I'm saying is when I look at these top wide receivers, yeah. we're not even talking about stacking the best wide receiver in the game with his quarterback, yeah. Kirk Cousins. We're right. not even talking about stacking Cooper Cup no, with Matthew yeah. Stafford. I just no, want to make sure I just uh, want to make sure that um, nope. like, is Stafford going to be traded back to the Lions? I just don't know. It nope. What's what's happening here? We're not I, doing it. I just want to know the three quarterbacks he mentioned, what Matthew Stafford, Kirk Cousins, Tua Tagovailoa, they might combine for three rushing yards all season. They three. Yes. Yep. That's why we're not drafting them early, and that's why we're not stacking them. The rushing quarterbacks are dominating the fantasy points, and, and they're yep. higher-ranked quarterbacks for that reason, and that almost makes them a little bit more of a risky stack. Yeah. Like, there's, there's still elite passers. Josh Allen, Mahomes, Hurts, like, they're all elite passers, and that's why they're the top three. But you don't necessarily need to stack in season long. You can make it a tiebreaker, but that's why you're not doing it with the top five receivers. If I was going to stack, based on Pulsifer's point, a non-rushing quarterback, Mm -hmm. I think the one with the most upside that I would look for, not targeting it, but just if it happened, would probably be Tua with these two Dolphins pass catchers. Yeah, and uh, have you heard that Tua needs to stay healthy this season? I have heard that. Got it. I just wanted to make sure you guys had both heard that, that Tua needs to stay healthy this season. In order to see both peak Tyreek Hill and peak Jalen Waddle. Other quarterbacks don't, by the way. Just to, just two to is a, the only one that has to stay healthy this season. Just no, want to make sure people are aware of that. We have said this stat a bunch. How many touchdowns did Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle catch from non-Tua quarterbacks last year, Field? I think it was 22. Oh, no, it was zero. The answer was none. Zero. We yeah. need him to stay healthy, and that's part of the concern with this. Like, yeah. I don't mind if you want to wait and, and say, hey, quarterback position came off the board too early. I got to right. grab one of these guys. But I'm not going out targeting a Tua Tyreek or Tua Jalen Waddle stack. If I was going to do that, I'll tell you, I mean, we're talking about guys that you want to think about. I might punt on the quarterback position if I wanted to go this route. The Tua plus and Tyreek slash Jalen stack? Yeah, I would rather. Okay. I think I might rather go with Daniel Jones and Darren Waller and go with that rushing quarterback with that Ooh. tight end possibility because Daniel Jones is super inexpensive. Mm. We talked about the upside of potentially stacking tight ends with quarterbacks and Mm. what other pass catchers other than Saquon Barkley do I even really like in this offense? Not a stack that I'm going to go out and try to achieve before I get into a draft. But if I get there and I grab Darren Waller and I'm seeing quarterbacks come off the board, I don't think I feel all that bad about potentially looking at Daniel Jones in the 12th round Mm. field. Yeah. These kind of go back to that same thing I was saying a little while ago. Like these aren't really, these are like, if it happens, less it manufactured happens. sacks, yes. these are like I stumbled into a stack. So right, well, uh, I wouldn't, I would, I would not be avoiding Daniel Jones if I already have Darren Waller. My right. com, my my decision would be independent of my belief in Darren Waller that year. But let's say you've got Daniel Jones and Tua and and who was Gino. another uh, Gino, Gino or Dak Prescott on the yeah. board. Would you because you've got Darren Waller 
would you still just go with whoever you think the best quarterback is, or are they close enough that you would go with? I would do that. Yeah. Okay. You would go with the best quarterback. I think what this, what that scenario underscores more is the person who's willing to be patient at quarterback this year. Right. Right. Which uh, I was talking with one of my friends last night at the draft and he was like, does it feel like quarterbacks are just going earlier this year or is it me? And I said, it is, it's happening. It's not just you. It's happening. And the reason why is, um, you know, these bums, Mm-hmm. Russell Wilson, mm-hmm. Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, Matthew Stafford, bombs, right? I mean, oh wait, few future Hall Super of Famers winning who all stunk up the joint <laughs> yeah. last year. So uh, I remind people of this all the time. Fantasy football, we have this disease of recency bias more than like anything else I do in my life. Justin Herbert, like the idea of Justin Herbert having a bounce back season this year to some people is a completely foreign concept. I'm like, he was quarterback two, two, two years, years ago. ago. Even if Joe Lombardi was still the coordinator, Herbert could absolutely mash. The idea of Darren Waller staying healthy is completely absurd to some people. He is just, you know, a piece of glass waiting to be shattered. The guy played every game in like back-to-back seasons like three like three and four years ago. The past two years, he's played 20 games, not 33. I get it. But I just think that we are way too uh, dependent upon what's happened in the most recent years. Like, if, uh, like, I will be... Where did this point start? I just lost my train of thought. Where did this start? Uh, we, Darren you just Waller? Ta- you were just talking about how you look at... I asked you if you would take Daniel Jones or a Tua or a Dak or just the best quarterback that was on oh, the yeah, board. Sorry, and about this is manufactured yes. Right. So it's definitely possible that quarterback depth makes its return this year. Yeah. And they're like, Dak averages 21 fantasy points per game and he's going as quarterback 13. Right. So, yes. Um, at that point, you think... so it. If it's a tiebreaker for you, it's a it's like the thinnest of thin tiebreakers. Yeah, there's actually like a case to be made to avoid the stacks so that you don't have to worry about your starting quarterback and a top weapon being out on the same bye week. That's a great point. And one of the reasons why we stack that the top of the of like the rankings is because there is more volatility once you get farther down this list in some of those bad weeks happening. If you get seven points from Daniel Jones and five from Darren Waller, you are in a tough spot that week. You are starting in a huge hole. One last stack I want to talk about before we get out of here. You talk about recency bias. Last year, Deshaun Watson was not good. He was a very poor quarterback from a passing perspective, but we watched Amari Cooper have an unbelievable season with Jacoby Brissett last year. We've talked about how you can wait and wait and wait, and Deshaun might be one of the better values yeah. on the field at the quarterback position to potentially pair with Amari Cooper. Do you like that potential upside? Again, from that perspective, you're waiting a little bit longer or does it not really do anything for you? Hmm. It's really the last one that I would even consider stacking is really yeah. like an Amari Cooper, like trying to go out and look at Amari Cooper or Deshaun Watson. I'm not going to lie to you. This might be the one where I'm most likely to intentionally avoid it because I am worried about Deshaun Watson. Just the, the possibility of him being like actually bad exists seems greater than the other top seven quarterbacks that's what i would say as well i think he's going to be very good this year i really do but the possibility of him being bad is greater than the possibility of trevor lawrence or justin herbert being bad if i'm stacking somebody i'm not stacking someone that i have big question marks on right that's what that would be my take on this one is that like i just don't know that i'd feel comfortable hitching my wagon to two key pieces that are so dependent upon each other yeah All right, that's going to really wrap up the stack conversation. Hopefully you got some good stuff from there. It's something that is starting to become a more of a season-long conversation, but there's some nuances in the way that we do some of this field. We had a huge Veterans League update yesterday. Do we have any other updates? So grateful for the entire games group uh, for putting this together. Check your email. Keep checking your email. Uh, If you listen to this podcast, like I know people, and I'm so jealous of them, that check their email like once a day. I wish I could do that. Um, I check my email like, Every seven seconds, check your email. If you're one of those people that only checks once a day, you may well have a veterans league invite in your email. And unfortunately, if you don't check your email in time before your draft is conducted, we can't conduct the draft without you. So we're going to have to find replacements, but nearly 400 people being a part of the veterans league is legitimately awesome. And I can't wait to see everybody take part in this wonderful, wonderful league this season with a playoffs that will be taking place tournament style towards the end of the regular season. That's the part that I'm most excited about. The ability to take all of these winners, all of these people and put them all together and have it be like a big final showdown, a battle royale might you say. Battle royale. That sounds awesome. I am really pumped about it. Field, this was a good show. Thank you for hanging out with me today. What are we doing tomorrow, Daniel? I got no idea. Maybe we will find out tomorrow. 
It might Maybe be a mock, a mock draft. draft. How about that? People love the first mock draft, so stand by for the possibility of another one coming back tomorrow. I'm excited to see where Jonathan Taylor goes in that mock draft. It's time undrafted. to put our, you think, stop no, it. probably go higher than He'll that. go higher than undrafted. Yeah. All right, for Field Jates, my name is Daniel Dopp. We love you guys. Thank you so much for hanging out with us. Bye, Mom. Please be kind to yourself. Happy birthday, Chapin. Shut my up. My wife's birthday. Happy, happy birthday, birth- babe. How did we love not start you. the show with that? Well, oh, my know, gosh. I'm happy for you. She, you know, she, uh, she deserves uh, more shine than just one shout out. I did oh a bad my job. Gosh. I am no longer husband of the year. Not that I ever was, but happy I love you. Happy birthday, Chapin. Can't wait to celebrate later on today. Absolutely. All right. Congratulations, Chapin. We love you. Uh, And don't forget to love each other. Be kind to yourself. You have earned it. We will see you guys tomorrow. Mock draft. Peace. What? Chapin's birthday field. Big day. Big day. Let's see if if the baby is asleep right now, actually, as a matter of fact. Daniel, uh, favorite tight end stack? Uh, Jared Goff and Sam Laporta? Jared Goff, Sam Laporta is the one I'm leaving most to draft with. Behind Kelsey and Andrews and then... Then to them. Uh, number two, actually, right now is Clayton Toon and uh, Zach Ertz. That's the <laughs> one I'm going with. It's no secret, not a mystery. The one that we depend on for all our podcast needs. Graduate, full sell you. Alliance fan through and through with the hippest beard, I'm telling you. Two guys drove to work. Neither guy wore a seatbelt. One guy got a ticket. One guy didn't. The same two guys drove home. One guy wore a seatbelt. One guy didn't. One guy made it home. The guy not wearing his seatbelt didn't. Don't risk it. Click it or ticket. Paid for by NHTSA.